When you're running a sale in Shopify, you create coupon codes, right? That's just one more thing for your customers to deal with. What if instead you could automate price changes and promotions? That's exactly what Bold's product discount app does. It's one of my longtime favorites from Bold, and if you need to run any kind of sale, this is the app to do it. You can run sales by hand-selecting products, a collection, a vendor, a product type, or even the entire store. And when you run sales, you can schedule them to start and stop at certain times. And there's an even an option to put a live countdown timer on the products on sale. So it's perfect for daily deals. Sale ends in 4 hours, 3 minutes, 21 seconds, and counting. Imagine the urgency this can create. So one of the automation features I really like is this app's ability to put sale icons and badges on sale products, then automatically tag them when it puts them on sale, and remove the tag when they're off sale. So this lets me create a clearance or deals of the day section by making a Shopify collection where the product tag equals daily deal, and then the product automatically appears and disappears from it when it's on and off sale. And these sales pages are consistently one of the most visited pages on the stores that have them. So from power hour sales, daily deals, countdown timers, clearance corners, and more, just about every store can benefit from some kind of sale that this app can run. Before your next sale, grab it free for 60 days at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. So you have two podcasts and a YouTube channel. Uh, three YouTube channels. Oh my god! Yeah, because there's me. So there's me, just like the the writer, Cesar uh, Cesar Torres. Then there's Pablo Green. That's the uh, pen name that writes those superhero okay. books. And then there's LED Queens. And with LED, I don't have a podcast yet, but the YouTube channel, uh, I'm starting to you know grow that because there's a huge space that has not been fulfilled for what I do uh, on YouTube. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Yes, Caesar, we're recording. I am here in office, in studio, whichever you want to call it, with local Chicago Shopify merchant and uh, total polymath, brilliant genius. And I get to say that he won't. He's too humble. Uh, Caesar Torres. Let me read to you his bio because it kind of blew me away. Caesar is the author of two sci-fi book series, The Coil and How to Kill a Superhero. He is also the CEO and designer of LED Queen's Fitness Apparel, which is a direct spinoff from those book series. He earned his journalism degree at Northwestern 
University, Evanston, represent, and a computer science master's degree at DePaul. He's currently based out of Chicago. You're a pretty bright guy. When I am shining bright, I am. Then there's times when I'm a little, you know, in the <laughs> shadows, in the shadows. But shadows are good, too. That's I think that's everybody. I refer to it, at least between my wife and I, as my man cycle. <laughs> and that, like, you just, no one is going to be at 100% productivity, feeling good all the time. So it's kind of like, you know, you just, you go through a period of, I'm super productive and driven by a motor and manic and amazing and everything and brilliant and creative. And then you're like, and then it, it swings down. You're like, eh, now I just need to chill for a few weeks and then back up. And it, I have, rather than fight that, I've learned to recognize and embrace it. Well, I, I'll take the compliment, first of all, because it's rude to not take the compliment. So thank you so much. And uh, I agree with you. I have my own cycle, but I'm a very consistent person. So I think that's also what the reason I'm here, because I consistently <laughs> put out so much stuff. Even on a bad day, I'm publishing and creating new things. So what the, how long have you been, have you been doing that? Have you been engaged in this unending prolific content creation? Uh, all my life, I went to university for undergrad for journalism, and I was just a practical young person. I already knew I wanted to be a fiction writer one day, but I knew that fiction writers don't make a lot of money. So I thought, why don't I get a journalism degree so I can make a good paycheck, help the world, and then at some point I will publish my books or, or a publisher will publish my books. And, How long uh, ago was that? When did you graduate? Uh, I graduated in 96 from Northwestern. Okay. Yeah. So a little older than me. Not a, uh, a little older. And right when the internet was just about to, you know, really explode. Yeah. It was suddenly like early 90s. Oh, you know computers? You're a nerd. Late 90s. Oh, this is the future now. Absolutely. Like it's just suddenly this is a thing we all accept. And I caught that wave. I worked for Chicago Tribune right off graduation and I was an online producer. So I've always worked in online products. I never worked in print. Very good. So the, so this is kind of odd. You've got two sci-fi books, and you spun those off into a fitness apparel store on Shopify called LEDQueens.com. Tell me about LED Queens. LED Queens. LED Queens has been around almost three years, and it literally came from my books. I uh, started publishing, self-publishing, uh, two series, The Coil, How to Kill Superhero, sci-fi stuff. And that was uh, more than six years ago. And that got me started really as an entrepreneur. I was working at the time in New York publishing. I was an editor for places like Ars Technica at the time. And I self-published these books. Uh, I really started pushing myself to hire good designers, work with editors, create a product that not only was a great story, but looked amazing. And I remember with the very first How to Kill Superhero book, I wanted to have amazing t-shirts. And because my audience for that book, I already knew, was gay, queer, LGBT, male-identified people, I thought, well, I'm going to give them something that looks superhero-esque without selling a superhero suit. So hmm. the very first thing I experimented at that time was, uh, with, was a rust wrestling singlet. <laughs> um, Which, right, I, like, if you think about superhero wear, very much like spandex, yes. onesie, singlet, uh, kind of stuff. Sh shiny, colorful, like very much like what you would see in a Marvel movie, right? And um, I had a friend back then who, to this day, he makes a lot of powerlifting products for like the big 
uh, powerlifting leagues and uh, a pretty well-known like gym superstar from uh, California. And I said, you know, I have an idea for these singlets to promote a book. Uh, can you make a small batch of them? And he said, I'll make whatever you want. And I started basically experimenting with how to design products uh, in a way that facilitated my best strengths, which was working with digital design because I cannot sew. <laughs> Kurt, I cannot sew a single thing. <laughs> well, I don't know how to work with traditional patterns, but it's sort of, it's sort of like when animation went from cells into like Pixar. Uh, I can work with a digital design, uh, create something that has texture, color, shape, uh, but I do it all through the computer. So, uh, so you design the stuff in Illustrator? Uh, Illustrator, Photoshop. Okay. Yep. And um, in any case, to make a short, uh, long story short, once I experimented with that, uh, and when I got ready to leave my day job, because I took that leap, in 2016, I left a, a really great position as managing editor for The Wirecutter, which is part of the oh, New York really? Times. Yeah. I, oh, man, I was I their love managing the wire editor. Right? I left right before they announced the acquisition, right? Um, great, great place. Taught me a lot of things. It's also part of the reason why I'm here, because I learned so much about what people want, because I was one of the early uh, employees that founded the, the company. And uh, when I started, there were just about, I think, three or four full-time employees. And now, you know, they've got a whole crew of people and they're part of the New York Times. They got acquired. So what I really learned from Brian Lamb and the Wirecutter was how to listen to what people really want. Um, you know, when it comes to a review, like trusting somebody and saying, can you tell me, you know, what is the best running shoe, uh, people usually go first to their friends. But the wire cutter eventually becomes that friend where they just say, we've done all the research. Here's your best shoe uh, for this reason. And uh, although I'm not doing that at all anymore, working on LED Queens and partially uh, book design also uh, is that. I do a lot of things that sometimes they contradict like choices I would make for myself. But I do the thing that the customer actually is asking for or what they need at that time. So huge lesson learned there. So uh, can you think of an example, uh, any example where, because I'm 100% on board with this. And the reason is like we've been doing it at, we, we try and do this at, a, at scale in two ways for people. Is one, um, and anybody could do this. That's what's so brilliant about it. And it has an outsized impact on business is um, run an exit intent poll so a survey when people try to leave the site now unfortunately with exit intent it only works on desktop when they try and leave a product page and we ask them one question if you didn't make a purchase today what stopped you and oh, oh wow what an easy way if you're just racking your like i see this pop up especially in the shopify plus facebook group it goes man we're like here's all the things we tried trying to figure out what's going on with our conversion rate and it's never well hey did you ask and Hotjar's free plan it's called the basic plan we'll let you just do this for free on your site so i a hundred percent encourage people to set this up and you have a running thing of like, here's why people aren't buying and you look for trends. And then this, the other one is uh, customer development surveys where we just ask people like, man, what kind of person would you recommend this to? And they describe how they see themselves. And if you, when you describe, when you recommend this, how did you describe it? So now we're going to hear really what the benefit of the product was but like just stuff like that. And then the, those open-ended questions as opposed to like, you know, what is your age range? Like, what is your, what, what gender do you identify as? Like that stuff, oh, yeah, like it's useful to have, but the open-ended questions, 
People will tell you how to improve your business if you just ask and then listen. So I'm all in on this idea. Specific to LED Queens, what are, how are you implementing that and how has it changed your business? Well, I'll tell you the, the biggest change in LED Queens that came from that uh, ability to listen to what the customer was really asking for. I originally called the product, the brand was called 13SC Fitness Apparel. Now, 13SC, do you think you'd be able to just remember that tomorrow <laughs> if I said, you know, it's a bunch of letters? And, yeah, it feels very arbitrary, like trying to remember a license right. plate. But it's, a, it's shorthand for 13 Secret Cities, which is the first book of the Coil series. And I ran that store for about a year, and it was just T-shirts at the time. And it had all these abstract designs, which I do a lot of, that had archetypal symbols from concepts from the books. So it wasn't a merch site at all because it was really focused on powerlifting and running and the things I love. And it just sort of did okay. After about a year, I started testing some more products than at that time I could design. So I had a pair of leggings, here we go, that I had designed for the superhero books, How to Kill Superhero. And I brought them into that store as a test. And I was just literally just testing what the page would look like and uh, some copy. I didn't promote it, but somehow a customer found it and the customer bought the pair of leggings, and then they emailed me and they said, I love these. I love these, the color is amazing. Will you have more? And uh, I was really taken aback, and I thought, okay, well, let's just keep doing this. So I start making more leggings, more colors, and I still, after about a year and a half, I was still just pushing that name of 13SC, and I was still just doing kind of a generic fitness brand. I understood after a while, after talking to other business owners and just paying attention to the patterns out there in the world, that I wasn't really like focusing in on what, what the customer wanted. So I started asking. I, I did uh, just really informal. It was so, I got together with a friend who loves what I do. And we just started, we made a list of phone numbers of people who were customers or friends of the brand. Oh, this is brilliant. And we texted them. And we, we had spent the whole weekend coming up with names, different names of what the product could be because I, t I had taken in some of the feedback from other customers of what they saw. And a lot of the things that were there were things like electricity, neon, 80s, a lot of 80s stuff. And so anyway, we had this list. We got it down to two single uh, possible names and we texted these to these friends and customers. And we said, out of these two names, which one resonates the most for you? Uh, one was Neon Alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And the other one was LED Queens. And I swear to you, it was like 95% said, whatever LED Queens is, I want that. They didn't <laughs> even know what the, I was talking about, uh, fitness apparel or books, nothing. They just, uh, that. but I understood also that that was my audience. A lot of those friends and family uh, and uh, customers happened to be gay, queer men, LGBT people. And for them, the name just creates this energy, right? So I said, that's not the name I would really choose for my, my, my brand, but we must go with that name because that name is actually connecting more to what people are buying, which at that time was these bright designs and a lot of the leggings. But even then, I was still kind of naive. You know, as a business owner, you, you, what I love is experimenting. You push yourself really hard to try new things, but sometimes you, you know, it's trial and error. And uh, it still took another eight, nine months to realize that what my customers were really coming for were these spandex leggings that for men, if you go to some of the big brands, Nike, Under Armour, they make beautiful stuff. 
but they still can be often very conservative with color. Yes. And I just design what I see, you know, in my, my creative vision. I go f- with full color and I designed one pair that was so bright that I thought I couldn't even wear it. It's called synth pop. I, I name everything. And that's been my number one bestseller since I pushed it out. Mm. And when that, when that just started like flying off my shelves, I understood that a, that was becoming my flagship product, but I still needed to go and talk to those customers and say, what is it you love about this? Like why, why this one? And why, why, why are you choosing uh, the leggings over all the other products in the store? And, um, it came down to kind of a lifestyle thing. A lot of my uh, customers do happen to be LGBTQ+, and they want to raise their visibility. They want to be validated in spaces like the gym. So it's not overtly political. They just want to sort of celebrate who they are, and the product does that for them. You know, I'm coming up on three years of doing this, and it took me this long, Kurt, to really figure that out. And I'm not a stupid person. It's just, you know, sometimes in this developing a product, you have to really force yourself to, to listen. So I'm just starting to get better at it, but it's brought me this far. So much great advice in that is number one is actively listen to people. And then when you get their advice, don't fight it. Like would led Queens have been your first choice for the brand name? Never, no, never. But by listening to people and then by tamping down your own ego on that, that helped pivot you to success. Then listening to be like, okay, what do you want to see? What do you, what should we make? that moved you forward tremendously. And I I love that you said, like, they want to be validated in the gym without being overtly political. None of these designs, to be clear, and I'll link to your store, of course, in the show notes, none of these designs have text on them in any way. They are purely just color. They're like 80s rad, which I just, I love that. I love that look. And like, if you check out like the EtherCycle logo and some of the branding, that's 100% what we were going for. Our own uh, graphic designer Tom Shedlack. When I redesigned my business card recently, I said, "Hey, Tom, could you do this for me?" And I only gave him one direction. I said, "It has to be rad." And that's so he came back. <laughs> I had direction. a bright pink business card that I absolutely love, and every single person who sees that thing comments on it. And like, there's nothing else overt about it. It's just like it's bright pink, boom, and that's it. I wear a lot of chubby stuff, like the brand Chubbies, because oh, yeah, it's brand. very bright. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was the one who taught me, like, man, just wear what you want. Who cares? Just wear what you want. Well, you know, that's really what it's about. And it's something that explains why why spandex leggings or why gym gear. This has been my life. You know, I've, I've never been like a, a super mega athlete person. But I've been into marathoning, triathlon. I switched to powerlifting and bodybuilding later in life. If you're doing life. triathlons, you are into... Uh, an athletic lifestyle. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You yes. can try and humble it down as much as you want. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Uh, but it's, it has been my life. And I think that my customers feel that passion for the product. And it's why I haven't moved too far off from what that is yet, because uh, it is totally in my wheelhouse. Um, even before I ever thought of designing a, a single thing, I could give you very strong opinions about what worked about Nike, Under Armour, Reebok, and... Um, Great brands, but now I, I guess I'm getting my chance to sort of try things out and see what customers want. But it's the LGBT space for fitness is really interesting because the thing that demographic wants often includes things that I never thought I would have to <laughs> deal with uh, compared to a general brand. So, for example, my customers are screaming for shorts, 
So we just rolled out our first pair of shorts last week, uh, and we're trying different styles. I see that, and they're not like regular, regular like shorts. baggy trunk gym shorts, like basketball shorts, but with a bright pattern. And that satisfies two needs. Uh, I had cust- potential customers for a long time who said, I feel too shy wearing spandex leggings to the gym or anywhere else. Uh, do you make shorts with your colors? These bright neon rad colors that you make. So we rolled that out. It would be cool to do a bundle of just, hey, here's the here uh, leggings and then matching shorts. And then you wear you could do both because it's a very functional item. And then I think people, you know, as they get more comfortable and they realize, hey, nobody cares, then they could they could ditch the shorts. But I totally get where they're coming from. Well, first of all, I want to do subscriptions where I can offer that each month because of these color combos that I make. But number two, that's actually so interesting because uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't identify. I'm not a straight person and I'm, you know, I, I can't speak for y'all. But uh, my, my customers are so specific. They, uh, mo- most of my customers don't want to wear the shorts <laughs> on top because they're just bolder. And, and then they, some of them even discuss on the product photography. We've done one test where we had the shorts on top. And they, they said, well, that, that, you, you should never do that. Right? So it's like the style kind of thing of okay. like gay men. You know. But – and then I have all these potential customers that I don't want to leave them in the cold. So that's why I'm, we're moving to, to satisfying a little bit of that. So we'll still do some of the new photography with those, the shorts on top. I myself don't like it, but I realize for a lot of people listening, it is an easier way to sort of enter that world. So you do, I always say, you know, do what you feel comfortable with. And I support that. You mentioned more than once, your brand is, is focused on its core demographic, clearly by listening Yes, And that core de- demographic is mostly, uh, in your words, male-identified gay, queer, trans, or non-binary people. Correct. Well, do you think that's had, like, any difference on the brand? I don't even know what my question is. Well, I, I know what you're getting at. Uh, it's had a huge difference. I came out of the closet when I was 21. Uh, I was at Northwestern when that happened. Hooray. Uh, but I've never been shy. You've, you've met me in person. I'm here in the, the studio, like, talking to you. I'm not shy. I, I border more on extroverted. But I've never felt like I had to wear my sexuality on my sleeve and make that the first thing I talk about. So when my book started publishing, I just, in my, to this day, I just write fiction. It's not even science fiction. I just write novels, right? But the world wants to put categories to things. And the world of marketing makes everything easier when you can put things in a slot or a box. And so uh, for some of the, the book series, that core demographic happens to be gay men. The coil is a little different. That one's a little bit more open-ended. But by the time I got to LED Queens, I realized, well, I never intended it to be just for LGBTQ people. And it's not. Uh, you know, even when I write the copy for, for the, the brand, it's not like it's just for those people. But it has connected. And I think it's because I am the face of the brand. And because I'm very proud to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a gay, queer person, I think that resonates. And that's a lesson I had to learn sort of later. You know, I, again, I'm not shy, but I didn't realize that it's so important to put yourself out there if you yes. have a small brand like this and that that's inspiring to people. I get letters from customers who say, you know, I wish I could be doing what you're doing in terms of really putting myself out there, not feeling uh, self-conscious or scared of something happening to me because I'm a gay, queer, or trans person. So that that has, I think, really been the story of LED Queens. And it's something that still surprises me because I still don't see what I design as anything that is uniquely for LGBTQ people, but somehow hmm. the community has embraced it as their own. Well, you have Queens in the title. Well, and that, but that's, that's that story. Originally, it was 13SC Apparel. 
Which yeah, was, LED queens is so much better. And LED queens. <laughs> and the word queens, you know, for, for the history of LGBT people, it's a really important word. And it also speaks to New York because uh, I spent a lot of time in New York. And LED is, is that ethos of like 80s, neon, rad, uh, science fiction stuff. If I could tell you the whole story of LED queens, it's even like a concept I'm working into a book, which is these entities from the future that are sort of like AIs. You well, know? let's talk about that. So that... So certainly it's one of a kind where we've got a, a sci-fi book series turned fitness apparel brand. My first question is, you know, how important has that been for the brand as far as like, uh, really, I think as far as customer acquisition, I mean, it's interesting in how it drove the brand, like it started as merch, turned fitness apparel, to evolved. At this point, like how many LED Queens customers are aware of those books? Versus like new customers, returning customers, break it down for me. Yeah, it's uh, well, there's basically two big buckets. Um, there's a huge chunk of customers who originally saw those first products for the How to Kill Superhero books, but over the years they've gained a following, and those cust- those those readers are LGBT men, and they love those products. When I stopped making the singlets, they said, "When are you going to make more?" I don't, I still don't make them yet, again, because I'm sort of holding off. Um, but when I made the leggings, they, they, they bought those. And so they, you know, people, people are very smart on Instagram and Facebook, but especially Instagram. When I started uh, creating these new products under LED Queens, those customers came over. So many of them come into the store or to Instagram and they go, hey, Pablo, it's so great that you're making all this cool stuff. And for those of you listening, Pablo Green is my pen name for those books. So there's even some customers from LED who think of me as Pablo because I brought basically that concept of the, those leggings, that, those singlets into this fitness line. So that's super interesting. I don't know how many people can, can have that similar story. But on the other hand, uh, I have uh, what is basically a marketing uh, goal, which is to bring in customers into the store and let them know how things connect into the books. So many products... Uh, T-shirts, leggings, uh, hoodies, they're named after characters from the books. Or in some cases, they do have an image of the character. And I, all the copy that's on the pages, I keep it short. I'll explain. I'll say this is named after Clara Montes, like the, the main character of 13 Secret Cities, and link out to the books. And then when I do newsletter pushes, campaigns, etc., I promote the book. And I do have conversions. I have customers who will say to me, you know what? I'm going to pick up your book. So I'm getting, I'm getting leggings. I'm getting a hoodie, um, but I'm going to check out your books for the first time. And that's been a huge point of pride for myself <laughs> because I don't think most authors can can say that they've pulled that off. Uh, it's still growing, so it's not like it's happening every single day. But you know, that's a place to start from and to set goals for a business. So it's great. It actually sort of feeds the books, and the books feed LED. It builds on itself. It's like a feedback loop. Yeah, and the superhero element of How to Kill Superhero, it does fit because since I make so much bright stuff that looks almost like superhero um, design, you know, it really helps drive that series to this next logical place, which is can I wear this stuff to the gym without looking like I'm wearing cosplay? Because there's a big difference. So it's not cosplay. This is actual gym wear, but, you know, you can see the motifs are there. Well, and there's like looking through your Instagram, there's so many customer photos of people at the gym in this stuff, and it doesn't look out of place or strange. 
Correct. And, and that's, uh, that's the design decisions. Yeah. Like there's certainly a, a line you're walking to keep it from getting where it's like, it's gone too weird versus this is personal expression. And it like, absolutely. It looks like you've pulled it off. Yeah. I never want to create things that look like costumes. That, 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 that's a big difference. And I do know a lot about costumes because under the Pablo green name, I do cosplay. And I think that's taught me a lot on like what, what that fine line is and the customer style themselves. So when they post their selfies, there's tons of them. And uh, on Instagram stories, I have even like quadruple of that number because on Instagram stories, they do a lot. These customers look beautiful. I'm going to use that word. They look beautiful and they look very proud of what they're doing and they're all shapes and sizes, but they are wearing these intense colors that you probably don't usually see most people wearing at the gym. Yeah, actually for this reason, I'm going to link to your Instagram almost exclusively customer action photos, which is one of the, when you sell fitness apparel is like, that's one of the unfair advantages of that industry yeah. is you get to have just like a nonstop feed of amazing customer selfies to share. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24 seven sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools. So set up is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Although I don't have an MBA, I know how to do competitive analysis. And when I got into this, I looked at what any brand that was somewhat similar was doing who happened to be kind of a gay brand. And what I noticed is that what they often presented in terms of imagery was obviously really stunning looking models. You know, they, they would, it's these guys that are like super cut, you know, skin is glistening and they might be wearing shorts or swimwear or leggings. And you just go, it's like an Adonis. Yes. But the context, there was no story. And for me, I, from the beginning, I always said, I want this stuff to be worn to powerlifting meets, for people who are into bodybuilding, running, yoga. So I thought it was really simple. Just start creating photography that shows how to use the product. And I think that's what's made LED different than some of the other big gay brands. You know, their context is sometimes either disembodied, they're just like at a beach and looking beautiful. But for me, it's about doing. I, my customers are generally doing things. They're running marathons or lifting weights or doing CrossFit. And I, I'm really glad I got this far too. Some brands try to do that and they cannot connect to the customer. But my customers, I had one that just did his first marathon uh, in Alabama and his, he's right on that Instagram page. And I'm so proud of that. I can't believe somebody's running marathons in my gear. Man, I've asked a lot of open-ended questions. I want to go back to your journey. You, you've got this background in journalism. You're writing books, you come up with this idea. You manufacture the the first singlet, you had the great advantage of having some, knowing someone who could do the manufacturing for you. An expert, because he expert. works in that field. It was a powerlifting singlet. That was the first thing we made. Okay. And then you were able, um, you knew enough to be able to create the design yourself as a uh, an Adobe Creative Suite jockey, right? Basically. If it wasn't for the Adobe Creative, Adobe Creative Suite, I wouldn't. And were you self-taught in that? Yes, always. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I've really leveled up a lot in the last three years. 
But the, some things were kind of, you know, difficult. The first time somebody said, when I was creating those singlets, oh, we need, you know, can you generate like an Illustrator file or uh, EPS? I knew what those were. I had handled them before in other projects, but I really had to get in there and make sure it, it worked. That's when it all started. Uh, but, but yeah, it has, it has been uh, self-taught. I did not go to school for, for that stuff. I'll ask the devil's advocate question. Your core audience is gay men. Yes. I say devil's advocate question because I'm totally on board with let's laser focus our positioning and our audience and our product. The devil's advocate question is, do you ever lay awake fearful that you're alienating other audiences? Yes. And that's, I mean, I think you can, um, through and through it, it, there's still, because I don't see what I write or what I design in that way. To, for me, in my mind, it's for everybody. And what this might mean is that maybe there's growth I need to do as an entrepreneur, not as a writer. As a writer, that I know what I'm doing like in a lifetime. That I write books that need to be there. I don't write books for what the audience wants. That's a different thing. But in terms of being an entrepreneur, maybe that means somewhere down the road I need to spin off brands uh, from what I'm doing because this might be too niche at this moment to scale. I don't know. Um, but if I had it my way, Kurt, uh, it would have wider reach because I'm not, I'm not creating these things just for gay men. It just, they just happen to sort of click into what I'm doing like faster than anyone else. I've had a lot of, uh, in the past two weeks, a lot of messages from women because I'm targeting uh, women a little bit more with Facebook ads to experiment and test. And they're coming in and saying, Hey, I just discovered your brand. When are you, when are you going to start designing for women? When, when, are, when are the women's designs coming? Because they see these colors and these designs and they want them. And the answer is, I would love to, but, you know, with small businesses, it's one thing at a time. And right now I want to work with my strengths. And that might mean, you know, I might have to expand my team, do some hiring to really understand that space better because the space of gay men, I do understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, no, as, as an entrepreneur, I always say, like, identify, le be grateful for and leverage your unfair advantages. And in your case, you are a gay man. Correct. So you can better relate to other gay men, mm -hmm. right? And then by having your story and making your face part of the, you know, your about page is really good. It walks through that story. And from what you've said, people relate to you. Like my question would be, man, why even bother doing any of that? Stick with, stick with what you know and, and who your tribe is. You found them. Mm -hmm. Stick with them. Yeah. Certainly not a limited audience of gay men out there where you're like, no, we've sold to all of them. It's over. Like it's never going to happen. So I see where you're like, okay, I want to add more to it. I want to expand it. I want to make it available to more people. And that's always, I think that's always going to be in the back of your head. But I absolutely think there's nothing wrong with where you have now and the direction you're going. Even just in the context of like, Thank you. let's scale it. I don't think there's a limit there that you could hit. I, I agree with that. And um, that, that main demographic, to, to clear things up a little bit more, give more insight for people, uh, it is gay and queer men. Um, the word queer, you know, some people are a little bit, uh, confused sometimes about what that is, but it can be a little bit even beyond gay. So sometimes there's trans people who happen to be queer or bisexual okay. men who happen to be queer. Uh, and I do have trans customers. And then I, I have a small amount of, uh, of a straight identified customer. So that's kind of cool. So it's not like they don't Count exist. Yay. Yeah, they, they do exist. Um, but yeah, it's just been really interesting because I think that it, it speaks to the lifestyle of gay men at this moment. And especially with the really hot pink and like neon blue stuff that I make, uh, they, uh, they've just told me, they, they go, this makes me feel like there's this 80s thing going on. Yes. 
and I'm so proud to wear it. And no, I can't find these colors anywhere else. So back to listening to the, the consumer, to the customer, it's let's give you more of that. And so that that's also what's driving the product development. I it's it's a fitness brand, and if I had my way, I would make some other things first. But the customers are currently screaming, literally screaming for uh, shorts and swimwear. And so uh, that's that's where I go. That that's the direction. So who knows how far it'll you know go? But I for anyone listening, this is really meant for anyone and everyone. So. So you mentioned Facebook ads. What has worked? What has absolutely not worked for uh, customer acquisition for advertising? Well, back to testing with women. I did so many tests over the past uh, year and a half. Although women were very interested in it, no one was converting. Hmm. And then when I started kind of fine tuning a lot of the the men, um, it created reactions. So if people, if I was targeting kind of uh, something more general that which would include more straight people, uh, you know, I would get a lot of like kind of negative, like LOL kind of things, uh, which I expected. And then some would like it. And then when I went a little more fine tuned and, and got into more of a gay demographic, then boom, all that, that activity, that engagement is really taking off. Uh, with women, there were some designs that I make. They have, they have some characters that come from the books that are really super cute. And one of them has like these giant kittens on his head and you know, those did well. I also think it's also what brought me this far. I'm a sole operator and Facebook ads has almost been like an employee who goes out there and tests some things for me. And then I can fine tune products and designs to really get to those customers. So yeah, I think that that's been the story there. Um, and international reach. That's also how I, I have customers in Europe, Asia, South America, South Africa, and New Zealand as of last week. And I don't think other brands can uh, really say that. And I think that also has to do with Facebook because I did test in several countries and I thought, oh, I can't believe that, you know, people want to just trust a brand new brand and buy something from that far away, but they do. What ad format has been working best for you on Facebook? Instagram, all the way. Okay. Facebook does pretty good. I mean, I get, they're... I, well, I think of them as the same thing because, yes. you know, you place them, yeah, you place I one say, and it goes to both. Yeah. When I say Facebook ads, people are like, do you do Instagram? Like, yeah, the, yeah. it's just a placement. Yeah. 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 I think of it very much but it does the vary same way. By zone. So, for example, in Mexico, uh, Facebook usage is through the roof. So when I place an ad in Mexico, I already know that the engagement on the Facebook post will be, you know, astronomic. Hmm. Whereas most other countries, it's always almost always Instagram. And so, uh, yeah, it's like more than 90%. Is getting that engagement on ads important to the success of the ad? I don't think so. So a lot of what you get in an ad is that first exposure to the image of your brand. You know, what, what yeah, you're trying to so communicate, this to, that story. We're showing story. this stuff to a cold audience. Yeah, yeah. So what I've discovered is sometimes you have to uh, run it several times, run different kinds of images, keep coming back to that customer, and eventually... They either have a conversation with someone else. They go, have you heard of this LED Queens brand? Have you seen what this guy is doing? Then they sort of convert. Or then there's these uh, early adopters. I have had many customers who just straight up convert from uh, Instagram because they, I know them. They just love this kind of stuff. And I have had recently conversions from YouTube, um, from you know videos that I've tested there, uh, not doing ads, but running content, actual content strategy through YouTube. 
Well, talk to me about the that YouTube strategy. You said earlier you said YouTube's relatively new for you. For LED Queens, it is. For my other for my book stuff, not not so much. Okay. But for LED Queens, uh, it's really important. The thing is, I haven't figured out exactly what the channel needs to be about because I don't want it to be what people would expect. What would they expect? Uh, I think a lot of people will just expect, oh, well, let's just show like sexy guys walking around in all this like gym gear, which is what maybe what other brands would do. And I'm trying to service needs that are more about how is a product to be used? Uh, where can I find products that connect to that product that I don't even make? And then lifestyle issues. So I do have customers who, you know, maybe they've had, they've been called a name or they've been discriminated against in places where they're wearing this stuff, you know, I would like to be able to answer some of those questions for them and give them resources on how to just deal with the discrimination if it happens, right? That's really different. Some brands aren't like dealing with that. But for me, uh, it's still early in my YouTube strategy, but I'll tell you what my most successful video is. Uh, again, I, I've never seen Under Armour or Reebok or anybody else do this, but the number one question I get from customers via DM is, hey, Caesar, what underwear do I wear under these things? There's two kinds of question, like answers the person is looking for. There are some customers, I will just admit it, some of them just kind of want to have that conversation about <laughs> that because it, it just like stimulates them. I get that. And then there's other ones who are just really, really curious people who have never worn the product and they go, you know, really, like, what do I do? Instead of answering one by one in the DMs, I made a YouTube video. I took footage from uh, workouts that I do, models that we've used, and then instead of doing something that was really graphical and sexy in terms of like showing videos of underwear, I worked with an illustrator and I said, can you draw this beautiful cartoon version of me? And uh, it's a safer way to access that information. And what I answer in the video is, here's the different styles, all the different styles you can get, you know, the boxer, the boxer brief, the brief, and then here's what I recommend. And I don't even make those. So and I even recommend some brands that I think are cool. And I don't think other brands do this, but that... I've even embedded it into the product pages because customers ask for that over and over. And that to me is where the YouTube channel needs to go. It's again, listening to what the customers ask for a lot and answer that and create beautiful films or YouTube videos that tell that story. So customer service and customer support questions are often a great place to start to uncover objections. And in this case, like you are too close to the product. You make the leggings, you wear the leggings. Mm -hmm. It just did not, it would never occur to you that someone is out there going, I want to buy these, but I just don't know if I have the right underwear because I don't even know what the right underwear is. But when you see that come up as a repeated question, rather than just like one at a time go through those, you said, okay, I need to update the copy on the site. So you added it in the product description, commonly asked questions. What underwear should I wear under these tights? And then took it a step further. Okay, this is content marketing. And this is a way to show professionalism. Here is a video answering this question. And it makes it very visual. Like the cover image is great. It's uh, a guy wearing the leggings. And then a text next to it just says, under this, with an arrow pointing to his butt. And like that's a great way to illustrate it. Because I think part of the fear is you wear the wrong underwear under the leggings. It's going to look terrible. They all bunch up and have lines. You don't want that. Well, and the, 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 the fear is real, everybody. I mean, the like spandex leggings, tights for men. Uh, just like with female bodies, you know, you're really like exposing yourself in a huge way. And what I talk to the customers about, and I think that's where LGBT audiences are 
quite sophisticated about. Uh, we talk about how people want to present. So it is a choice. You're not like helpless, okay? If you if you want to be more modest, I give you the choice. I, I tell you, here's how to go and how to be more modest so that if you're at a place that's like very family focused, you're not going to be drawing attention to yourself. And if you're more of a peacock, then you can go do that in the places, the right time and place for that. And uh, I think that's unique to LGBT products. And uh, I am very proud of that because I think other brands wish that they could talk about some of these topics, but they, they're afraid, but I'm not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that again, like we have to recognize and, and be grateful for our unfair advantages. I think that's one of yours is you can, openly have these discussions without fear of retribution. Yeah. And in the women's space, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. So when you look at like women's underwear or lingerie, uh, you know, those conversations between the customer and the, the designer or the brand, they're amazing. That's, that's the stuff they talk about. And I think it is kind of cool to bring it to the world of men and say, yeah, we have the same issues. People want to like look their best, have a great shape. Uh, our product can help you do that. So the, um, okay, let's switch gears. Pure Shopify question. Let's Anytime I see an apparel store, I want to know, are you uh, shipping, manufacturing and shipping the stuff yourself, or is it print on demand? I'm doing three things. Uh, uh, well, three slash two. Uh, drop shipping, and some are being fulfilled here out of Chicago, uh, and some are print on demand. And so, so some of the books are print on demand. Some of them are here. Uh, same with leggings. Like there's uh, two designs that I keep here in Chicago and almost all the other ones, they're uh, drop shipping or print on demand. And then how do you make, since you've got these multiple fulfillment sources for apparel, how do you make that distinction as to like what's going to get, what's going to be pre-printed and shipped um, and drop shipped for me? What's going to be print on demand? How do you figure that out? Uh, that was real easy. for When it comes to books, uh, any book that is coming out of our offices, like my office, uh, is because it's autographed. The rest are all print on demand. Okay. I, I use Amazon as the publisher for that. Um, but then when it comes to the LED products, some of the manufacturers that I really like that are not doing print on demand, they happen to be here in the Midwest. So either they fulfill it out of their Kansas City office or I have them here and I fulfill them. Um, but the decision to do those, it's basically because they're products that I cannot yet make print on demand. I think print on demand is really cool. I think it, it's not just about scaling. I think it's like the future of a lot of uh, fashion design and I just happen to really love it. So it doesn't mean that that's the only thing I want to do, but uh, the decision is usually just based on, is there a product that I would love to try and make that they can't do? And for example, the, the leggings I'm wearing today, they were limited run uh, starting last year because my print on demand service cannot make this style with this material. So they're kind of like product tests in some way too. Okay. Cause I'm a small brand, so I don't mind saying that, you know, some sometimes they're tests. What, give me a few of your, your favorite Shopify apps that have helped you run or grow this store. Uh, Returnly has been hugely useful because as a sole operator, you know, I have contractors who, who do a lot of stuff for me, but when it comes to fulfillment, which a small portion is done here, uh, you know, there's still things that need to come back. Uh, we have a great return policy. We pay for everything. We pay for exchanges, returns. We have, it's a 30-day window. We're, we're probably going to change that because the customers are really happy with the product, so I don't mind extending it. But Returnly just makes it really easy. If a customer says it didn't fit, I pop them the link, and I say, here's the page. Generate your, your label, and then boom, 
I'm able to just start processing that exchange or return. So that one's great. Um, uh, Smile.io, I'm using that. And I'm super excited because, not because I like it, but because the customers already wrote back and they said, we really like this new program. You know, they really encourage you to name it something cute and like inspiring. So it's called LED pumps. Like you get a pump on your bicep. So um, I really like that. And uh, third one would be Privy. That, that has been really great. Uh, and that area of capturing emails and just dealing with that user interface, user experience for people on the site uh, has been great because Privy lets you experiment a lot. And my master's degree is in HCI, which is sort of a, it taps into user experience. And define HCI for us. Uh, human computer interaction. There you go. So it's, it's really down to like the science, the cognitive science, the computer science of uh, how we interface with computers, smartphones, tablets. But uh, I pay a lot of attention to that. And again, I'm really small. Eventually, I'll, I'll have my own dedicated like UX person or designer who has that specialty. But uh, those pop-ups, they're tricky. You know, you don't want to upset the, uh, the person who's visiting your site. Yeah, you don't want it to be annoying. But at the same time, they're tremendously valuable. They're great. For building your email list. Yes. Or even for like rescuing a session where you do like, if they're on slash cart and they exit pop uh let's do a pop-up give them a coupon code i mean there's so many clever things you could do with pop-ups i in the past was did a kind of a perfunctory relationship with pop-ups and then in the last year really realized like the true power of it as a ux element to communicate things to provide a better when used right they genuinely could provide a better experience they, they really do and that's been the, the case for led queens uh we acquire a lot of new um potential customers through that. And I, at the moment, we're going to change that. At the moment, I don't even offer a freebie. Uh, at the moment, uh, you know, a lot of the characters that are on the shirts in particular, they come from the books. And the, the mascot of the brand, his name is Pablito. People say he looks like me, but he's not me. He's a separate <laughs> character from a book. But he pops up in that, um, in that ad to collect your email. And uh, the minute we switched to using his image, it worked. Because I think it's just, it's cute and it tells you what the brand is about because he looks really muscular and like friendly. And that's what we want to say to people when they come in through the door, which is like, hello. And, you know, and we like to work out a lot and we're glad you're here. I like the, I like the, the first one you mentioned was Returnly um, because returns and exchanges, it's a job to be done. And there's no, you have to do it to provide a good customer experience, but there's no real like ROI business growth value in it for you doing it. And Returnly makes it so much easier or and there's other apps that do uh, similar things. So it's really, it's like, okay, hey, we could provide a better experience on a job to be done, but this is especially important for um, apparel brands, apparel mm -hmm. and fashion, because sizing and is going to be the, the number one objection. What size do I get? What happens if it doesn't fit? So you have to have a really good um, return and exchange policy to bust that. Well, the I mentioned earlier this limited uh, edition pair of leggings that I made. I'm wearing them now. They're called Rocket. And they happened to be smaller than all the other ones I make. So I make 65 different pairs right now. But out of the 65, these happen to be a little more narrow than all the other ones. And when I launched them, I put that in the copy. And I, I, every marketing piece said, please choose a size up for these because they're going to run small. A lot of customers, as you know, they skim or they, don't, they just miss the text. And I knew it was going to happen. I, I, I knew there were going to be a few exchanges to get the next size up. Returnly really helped me out because 
I could just see it coming. And then sure enough, every week I would get a couple of uh, requests to exchange, but I didn't have to stress about it. All I had to do was wait for their packages to arrive and then initiate the new package to go back out to them and done. And so, uh, you know, those things being a sole proprietor, like that's a great tool. You got to use tools like that. They're, they're out there. You don't have to research a ton. You, you can ask people in the community, other Shopify owners, like, Hey, how, what do you use? And boom. All right. Lightning round. What, uh, <laughs> what keeps you up at night about this business? How I really want it to scale. Um, I think there's, there's this like very American thing where when people think of like growing a company that you have to be 300 employees or 3000 and that you're going to have this giant campus with your logo floating above it, like a UFO. I don't think that's what I want. I, some of the companies I really respect, uh, including my brother's, um, architecture firm. He has an architecture firm that he owns here in Chicago. Uh, they're small. They're, they're these teams that are like between five and 10 people. Uh, some of the startups I've worked with or some of the ones I respect, like the original Instagram team, very small. They were like four people, right? Uh, I think that's what keeps me up at night because I have my vision for where LED Queens needs to go, but I, I'm afraid. I don't want it to get like gargantuan because that's usually when businesses kind of like run off the rails so yeah yeah that those are my nightmares no i, I certainly <laughs> i hear that um and our first episode for this year was with paul jarvis from company of who wrote company of one and that entire book like if you haven't read it read it the whole book is about really the virtues of being a small intentionally small business and how that really is not a limitation what's one thing you wish every shopify store owner would do really focus on your product page like the individual product pages. So the, the front door is great, and there's you guys have done great teardowns, so I don't need to cover that. But the product page is, is everything the customer needs to know to make that first decision, even just to be familiar with your brand. And it's a missed opportunity if you just don't have great photography, sizing, return policy. Uh, it's got to be there. So Because you know when I shop for a MacBook or any other product, that's where I'm going to spend a lot of time. That main page. That's where why Amazon's so good at this because they have those product pages. So yeah, those product their, spend your time their there. product listings are are phenomenal and they're very long. Don't be afraid of a long product page. Yeah, because people will spend the time there, especially if it's kind of a specialized product such as some of the ones I make. Uh, people do spend a lot of time there, and they you'd be surprised. They look at every little detail. If if you're off from one page to the other, and you say, okay, this size is 32, and on, on this page is 34. There will be a customer who will say, why are these sizes different on these two pages? So make sure you spend a lot of time there. Let's say you had to go back in time 24 months. What one piece of advice do you tell yourself? I would tell myself, you're already good with money because you, you're, you're a very disciplined person. But, but think even like bigger, further down the road to, on how you're going to get there. Because I, I did this with a zero investment. Uh, you know, I don't have an angel investor. I don't have, you bootstrap. You know, it was totally bootstrapped and, uh, you know, things are going great. We're growing. But if I knew that 24 months ago, I would have probably been even more careful about like getting that capital, putting it like exactly where it needed to go. Cause there was a lot of trial and error. And I guess that's natural. Maybe some more uh, experienced business owner would say, you're doing it just the way a lot of like bootstrap businesses did. You go crazy sometimes and whatever. But, um, to have fewer headaches, it would be nice to go back to that 10-second window and say, yeah, just kind of like really get every duck in a row with the capital that you want to 
spend down the road. And a final question, where could people go to learn more about you? Uh, LEDQueens.com is where you're going to find all the fitness apparel that I make. And you can even get the books there. So that's an entry point right into the books. There's a category there for books. Um, and then there's CesarTorres.me. If you're curious about my books or my platform, I also make short documentaries and films. That's a place where you can contact me. Uh, it leads back, of course, to LED Queens. And I guess there is a third, because I mentioned it, and it's almost like this extra person. <laughs> but uh, for Pablo Green, those that series, How to Kill a Superhero, which really is maybe the seed of how LED Queens came about, um, go to howtokillsuperhero.net. And there it has its own store. It's real tiny. It's mostly books and coffee mugs and a couple of, uh, there are some leggings. There's like one pair left there. Um, you can go check that out and see why people have been talking about this book series for so long. Cause it's, it's like a weird cult sensation. And, uh, those are three places. And on Instagram, uh, or Twitter, 13 secret cities, that's me. And I'm really responsive there. Very good. I will include those in the show notes. Caesar, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. One final note before we go, I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's ecommerce-bootcamp.com.